Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the last wrestling-exclusive episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns in Season 3. As always, it's your guy, Billy Rye, back at it again. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thanks for making me part of your day presented by Anchor Podcasts. Remember to go like, subscribe, and leave a review to help others find the show wherever it is that you get your podcasts. A quick reminder where you can find me on social media, on Twitter, search for at tapouts and TDs on Facebook at tapouts and touchdowns and the email to the show tapouts and touchdowns at gmail.com again another wrestling exclusive episode means another another night another morning wherever it is that you're listening to this with wrestling show correspondent PJ Steven PJ how you doing today bud oh I am fantastic on this wonderful night uh, we got a lot to talk about, a lot going on. Um, I can't believe it's our last show of the season, man. That's fantastic. Are you sure it's the last last episode? Yeah, we got, we got. So we got this wrestling episode tonight. I've got or, or today, whenever it is that our listeners are listening. Uh, I've got one more football exclusive show coming this week, and then the season three finale will launch next week. So we are already there. Believe it or not, over forty episodes this season it has been uh insane the longest season of a podcast that i've ever done uh just tremendous stuff right here um but yeah no it's the last wrestling review show that we'll have uh so it has been it's been an honor doing it for you and uh and what better way to end the year with what used to end the year in wcw with a wcw starcade review another listener request for wcw starcade 1992, the 10th annual Starcade, uh, emanating from the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the second ever Battle Bowl was included in this pay per view. Um, I wrote in my notes that this may be the last Battle Bowl that we ever cover, requested or not, but I was genuinely surprised about how well they put this together. PJ, how'd you feel about this before we get into it? Yeah, it's amazing when you can see a product that has learned from their mistakes. And it looked like like they really have learned because the first one that we covered, we really didn't love. And this one, I really enjoyed every single match. I, I got I got two five star matches on this on this pay-per-view. I really do. Oh, wow. And uh I really did enjoy this pay-per-view. And I had seen it a couple times, actually. It was kind of fresh in my brain. <clears throat> so I kind of knew what was happening. Um, there's a few things that are a little you know, rough to me, but we're going to get into that. I think it was, I think it's a fantastic event though. <clears throat> Took place December 28th in 1992, as you mentioned, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, 8,000 in attendance here. I want to reach you the tagline here because it was way too long. I felt like a fallout boy song. <laughs> the, ul- <laughs> the ultimate challenge of skill, luck and survival. Only one man can survive. Whoa, relax. But <laughs> it did. It did really get me into this because you got so much going on here. Uh, if I may, here the Starcade Battle Ball '92. Not only do we have the King of Cable uh, tournament bracket, uh, we also, of course, have the Lethal Lottery, and then that leads us obviously into the Battle Ball. Um, really great stuff here. I really enjoy it. Uh, and not only do we, because I felt like in the last one in Starcade '90 or, uh, yeah, or excuse me, yeah '91. We had the Lethal Lottery, 
a title match and then the battle Royal, if I do believe. Um, but the tag matches, they had like 10 tag matches like this. It's like they shortened it a little bit and it made it a little bit more palatable. Uh, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the first thing that I, that I picked up on as the tag team matches were getting done is how kind of short and to the point they were making them not like they weren't too short, but they knew not to kill the crowd by making every, and not to mention they were all 15 minute time limit matches. So we knew we weren't going to get anything over 15 minutes. So, yeah. That, that's the thing. There were some tag matches in the last one that lasted like 15 minutes. And like, I'm like, dude, good, look, shut it down. Shut yeah. it the fuck down. Uh, really, but I, again, really good stuff here. I'm going to touch a little bit uh, for some uh, storylines that we're getting into now. I want to, I want to start with the King of Cable. So, um, the King of Cable tournament bracket, uh, you first started out, your quarterfinal was Vader versus uh, Tony Atlas with Vader going over. Uh, Dustin Rhodes and the Barbarian, uh, Dustin Rhodes going over. Uh, quarterfinals, you also have Rick Rude and Barry Windham. And by the way, we're going to get into Barry Windham in this uh, event or in this podcast rather, but he had a great showing in this pay-per-view and 100%. Barry Windham, Barry Windham, I think is one of the most underrated uh, and uh, underappreciated workers, uh, especially in this time, but Rick rude uh, as, as great as Barry women, Barry Windham is Rick rude went over here in the quarterfinals against Barry Windham. And then we had sting and Brian Pillman. What a match uh, semifinals. We have Vader and Dustin Rhodes, obviously with Vader going over and then Rick rude and sting in the semifinals where sting uh, went over on Rick rude. Our final uh, match for the King of cable here is obviously sting and Vader, uh, which leads us to again to Starcade. And I got to say, man, like we're, we're really, we're really pushing this King of cable uh, uh, award here in the trophy. And it's very new Japani, you know, that's not a word, but you know, it's very, it reminds Listen, me a lot of it's, the, it's the, a word you made up. I'll take it. Yeah. It's better than some of the other words I've made up. Damn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> new Japani, I'll take it. New Japan. Can we get a shirt that says that? Oh, we should tap out some touchdowns merch. Uh, yeah, let's get new that. Japani. Let's let's get it. It's going. very new Japani, and it just shows us holding a trophy yeah. uh, that we gave ourselves. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but no. So what you see here is um, different storylines moving at once, which WCW is really good at. But you also see where they're um, they're capitalizing on probably one of the hottest rivalries in pro wrestling at this time. And we talked about this uh, later on. We talked about this earlier on off camera, like how great. Vader and Sting work together. It's you know, insane to me. You know, I was I was thinking while I was watching, and, and spoiler, there's a, obviously you kind of brought it up. The uh, the the match would culminate here. The tournament would culminate here. Vader versus Sting. And I was thinking while I was watching this match, I know Sting had a really great rivalry with Ric Flair, but I don't know if a rivalry that Sting ever had will top what he did with Vader. Because they I'm have saying, some great stuff, man. I'm saying, listen, when I met, when I met Sting, I literally went up. I saw him. I met him, and I, you know, I, I was too blown away to like ask him anything like really cool. Um, but then I went and sat at the bar, and I had a couple of drinks, you know, as I do. And I like Sting was just sitting at the little table there by himself, and I was like, man, no one's fucking like. 
there's not a lot of people here. So I went back up and I went to his security and I was like, Hey, like, can I say something else to him? Like, is it okay? He's like, yeah, there's no one in line. Like you're good. I was like, Hey, sting. Like, I'm sorry to bother you again, man. Like he's like, no, you're good brother. And I just said like, Hey, so, and I might've told the story in the podcast before and I apologize if I have, but I said, uh, Hey man, like, who do you think your best opponent was? And why do you think it was big Van Vader? <laughs> what and he, and he laughed and he said, it probably was Leon, man. Like me and him just worked so well together. And he talked about like how at first he really didn't care for Leon. Cause he had heard that Leon is uh, short fuse stiff in the ring and things like that. So sting was actually a little nervous to wrestle him. And then fast forward, you hear the story about when they first started working and stings, you know, Steve Borden's out there. He's ready to go. And then uh, he's about to, you know, he's go- going through gorilla and he asked Harley, where's, where's Leon? We're, we're ready. Where's Leon? And Harley goes, smokes on his big cigar. And he says, uh, he's, he's in the words of Elaine's father from Seinfeld. He's in the bathroom. He's like, what is he doing in the bathroom? Like, we got to go. And he's like, he's throwing up. Why is he throwing up? And Harley says, well, he's nervous about wrestling the stinger. So oh my God. Sting's, Sting's nervous about wrestling Vader. And then you switch it and it's Vader actually is nervous about wrestling sting. Um, but uh, again, and you know, this, uh, the first, I think the first pay-per-view we covered was slam Marie 93, 94. Yes. Your favorite match is, of all time, which yeah. is my favorite match of all time. Sting and big Van Vader. And speaking of sting, I'm going to start talking about sting for a couple minutes here, but I do got to say when I was a kid, I say a kid when I was 15 or 16, I had a kid. Uh, I lived with, uh, my aunt and my uncle and my uncle was a, was an asshole. He was a piece of shit. And I had all these old wrestling magazines that I had collected over the years. And he made me get rid of them as a sacrifice to the family. That's what he said. He was like, you know, we, we all need to make sacrifices for the family. He's a wow. fucking idiot, idiot. Yeah. I hate him so much. And anyway, uh, I'm not going to spell out my family shit on, on my, on, on your podcast here. But what I got to say is I've been slowly getting back to uh getting those magazines back through ebay or whatever it is and this is the latest one that i've got and i just want to show you personally here this is one of my favorite ones that i had to throw away and it's just basically the bio that wcw did on stage oh wow dude that's incredible wcw magazine featuring all the different faces of sting here yeah and listeners that can't see it it's basically in 1999. Uh, they just do uncensored here. They did, I think this is Super Brawl, I believe, but it's, yeah, Super Brawl. Um, so great magazine here. Uh, you know, if anyone would like to get me something for Christmas, the one I'm on the hunt for is the WCW 1998 year in review where it has all the, the awards and all the, um, the pay-per-views from all that and all that. I, I really enjoyed that one. Can't find it. Well, but I'll tell you, moving... I'll, no, I'll tell you one that I had at one time, and I'm not sure if I misplaced it or if after everything that happened, I threw it away. I had a WCW magazine. Um, it featured Halloween Havoc, uh, the, the Halloween Havoc where the giant fell off the roof. Um, the, back, the back of the magazine featured... Uh, the 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 promo for Starcade New Japan versus WCW with Sting and a great Muda like kind of like in a yin and yang on the back of the magazine. Inside the magazine, they did a feature on the Four Horsemen with a picture of Brian Pillman and Chris Benoit. Yep, I had an autograph of Chris Benoit. Are you serious? Magazine. I met Chris Benoit after Nitro when I was in like maybe fifth grade. 
He signed my magazine. Brian Pillman came out, uh, gave a Four Horsemen t-shirt to a kid. I'm assuming it was like his, the girl he was with's kid or whatever that was. Uh, but he didn't sign any autographs. But Chris Benoit signed my WCW magazine. And I don't know if I still have it. And it's- I've never heard that story. And that's heartbreaking. I know. I know. Damn. I mean, it's not like it could go for a lot of money, obviously, because like oh, what no, he I did. Even, but yeah, just I even, having- well, well the, the, the macabre of what yeah, he did actually I, appeals to a lot of people. But I'm with you. Like, I yeah, wouldn't sell no, no, I just had not not to know where that is or to, to think that that's no longer my possession kind of kind of hurts me but you know what's gonna happen you're gonna lose like a jar of peanut butter or something and then you're gonna say where the fuck's that peanut butter and you're gonna look for hours for that peanut butter and you're gonna <laughs> find that magazine that would be an incredible turn <laughs> on, on a on a lighter note uh let's talk about new japan for a little bit here we have a great new japan main event i'll say main event uh a new japan main event for the nwa world heavyweight champion and the great muda taking on our boy here Masahiro uh, Shono. Shono, which is that match was insane. We're going to get to it, but uh, I just loved the the new Japan, the new Japani. I just love yeah. the new Japan s stuff that we're bringing into WCW here. That's one of my favorite things about WCW. Uh, I I enjoy it so much, and we see a lot of great new Japan talent over the years in WCW. But um, I love what they do with the Great Muda here, and that's another rivalry that Sting had great um, uh, yes, great matches yeah. with. Yep. With uh, the great Muda. But I think we're ready to get right into uh, Star K Battle Bowl, where, of course, it's the ultimate challenge of skill, yeah. luck, and survival. Only one man can survive. Bye, 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 bye. Yeah, it was a great show. We start off with Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura on commentary. Uh, there's a special report that the match was supposed to feature Ron Simmons and Rick Rude for the world title, uh, but Rick Rude has a herniated disc, so Dr. Death Steve Williams will take his place. And then you get the start of the show. Hank Aaron is in the ring. Uh, if, if you've been living under a rock, my Atlanta Braves just won the World Series. So seeing uh, Braves legend Hank Aaron in the ring to present last year's Battle Bowl ring to the Icon Sting was a pretty fun sight. Uh, and then you've got uh, Larry Zabisco and Missy Hyatt uh, are going to be drawing the lethal lottery number or lethal lottery teams uh, for this event. Uh, but two teams have already been decided on an episode of WCW television. And that match would feature Van Hammer, heavy metal Van Hammer, and Dan Spivey taking on Cactus Jack and Johnny B. Bad. I have a couple uh, questions for you before we before we jump into this. A couple couple things here. Do you think that J you know JR and uh, Jim Ross? You think you know Jim Ross and Dr. Death are super tight. Do you think Jim Ross kind of put it in the ear to maybe we put Dr. Death in that spot rather than Rick Rude? There's a chance because he mentioned it all throughout the show that Dr. Death was an All-American from the University of Oklahoma. Oh, and, yeah. He, he, he loves yeah, I mean, him he, some Dr. Death. Yeah. He was the, I mean, you know, the legend goes, as we talk about, you know, the brawl for all uh, legend goes that, you know, it was Dr. Death that was supposed to win that. And Jim yep. Ross was really an advocate for that. He's an advocate. But um Jim Ross so, basically worked worked Dr. Death into WWE. Like, you know, Jim Ross had had control over, over talent relation, relations at one point. And so, you know, he could kind of say, hey, you need to take a look at this guy. So he was sort of, yeah. you know, you, you used the term advocate. He was an advocate for getting Dr. Death Steve Williams into WWE. And when he gets knocked out, who was it? J, not JBL that knocked him out. Um, was it Bart oh, Gunn? Oh, no, it was, it was Bart Gunn. Bart Gunn knocked him out. When, because supposedly... 
him getting his fucking ass kicked at WrestleMania by, um, oh my God, one uh, of my, my Butterbean. One of my goats just jumped clear over the other goat. That was amazing to oh, see. That's great. No, he yeah. he got he got knocked out by Butterbean, and that was supposedly his punishment, which I don't believe that that's true. Uh, no. I I personally don't. But no, it was Bart Gunn. He knocked the fuck out of Doctor Death, Steve Williams, who shouldn't have even been there in the first place. I agree. Uh, well, the whole thing shouldn't have happened, but you know. But yeah. So uh, the the other thing I wanted to touch on too, do you think that Missy Hyatt was, you know, creeped out by Mean Gene? So they said, Larry, you're gonna do it this year. <laughs> No, I don't, you know, I'm thinking about it and we were talking about the first battle bowl and then making corrections. I think this was before the battle bowl that we watched. I could be wrong and I need to look in the archives, but I'm pretty sure this was being the second battle bowl. I think the first battle bowl we watched was not on a Starcade. It was the first battle bowl that they had standalone. Uh, oh, and, I believe you're right, and that was 1993. So, yeah, so it's the following so year. I, so, correction: they didn't learn; they got worse. They so, got worse like wrestling, so, so just like a wrestling promotion. Okay, I was uh, yeah. Okay, we were wrong. Yeah, we, so, we, we. I'm sorry, we had faith. But never, yeah, nevertheless, it was yeah. No, I think uh, Mean Gene Oakland might have still been WWE at this point or WWF at this point. You're you're um, absolutely correct. Yeah, that makes sense. But nevertheless, uh, we get the show started here again. The Lethal Lottery match number one, Van Hammer, Dan Spidey, Cactus Jack, Johnny B. Bad. I, you know, I didn't take a whole lot of notes for this show. I just kind of sat back and watched it. Um, I, I get the heavy metal gimmick that they've got Van Hammer rocking, uh, but they, they build him from New York City, and it looks like he's a mixture between a cowboy and an Aussie, like like Crocodile Dundee with, with, with you know, I don't know, bedazzled pants. I don't know. Um Getting into the match, there was a uh, there was a Hurricane Rana, I believe, by Johnny B. Bad that spiked Van Hammer on his head. It looked really ugly. Yeah, that looked bad. I wrote that down. And then you got Johnny B. Bad giving Cactus Jack a, a, a easy for me to say a stiff shot, a, a nice little punch to the face to let Van Hammer and Spidey go over. Uh, we mentioned that uh, these matches, these, these lethal lottery matches, go by a little quicker than. We would see the, the year after. Um, I'm glad this match didn't go a little, you know, much longer. It had no heat really, uh, and no. I just I couldn't really get into it. Despite both Mark Merrow and Mick Foley being in the ring for this match, I gave it one and a half stars. PJ, how'd you feel about this uh, opening match for Starcade? Yeah, about the same as you. Honestly, it wasn't it wasn't too amazing. I do want to also touch that we had a dark match here between uh, Brad Armstrong and old Henry Godwin. Um, that went oh, longer. Girl, Henry that Godwin. went longer than this match. Um, yeah, I mean, it didn't do much for me. Uh, it was fun seeing Johnny Yvonne and Katniss Jack together. Anytime I get to see Katniss Jack on WCW television, I really enjoy it. Also, I got to touch. I like Van Hammer, and I, I'm with you that um, I get what they're trying to do. Uh, Van Hammer is basically supposed to be Sammy Hagar, uh, who um, Sammy Hagar uh, replaced David Lee Roth and Van Halen. So yeah. their biggest thing was like, oh, we'll just make him Van Hammer, heavy metal Van Hammer. Um, but his his theme song isn't very heavy metal, and that bothers me. Um, they ended up actually putting a lot of money to letting him use a Van Halen theme song every now and again, and they just didn't do a lot with him. So it's like you're spending all this money, you're making him pretty much like Sammy Hagar, you're putting a lot of time and this and effort into this character just for him to be a mid-carter and not push him to the top, I think is a little weird. Um, that being said, 
I'm not expect I didn't expect him to win a world title, but like, why are you putting all this money into him? That being said, I really do enjoy Van Hammer, and he's actually a swell guy, except well, he's in prison now. Is he in prison? Uh, I know he got arrested a lot, uh, mostly for drugs, maybe, maybe uh, drinking. Uh, no, it was a DUI, and then it was a hit and run. That's what uh, it was. Well, I, I there was a story that floated around that uh, he showed up in WCW. Uh, I believe it was Arn Anderson talked about this on one of his one of his early podcast episodes that Van Hammer showed up and walked up to some of the veterans that were kind of standing in one of the hallways and said, "Hey, I'm Van Hammer. Uh, I've been brought here to save the company or some shit like that." Uh, oh God! The, the 90s. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so and then not, and then he was in and then he was in the flock. Yeah, uh, and then he had his peace and love gimmick. I'm not going to dwell too much on Van Hammer. I, I know you like him, and he said he's a swell guy, but uh, not a I'm, fan. I'm sorry. I, I thought this show was uh, Starcade 92 slash Van Hammer. Are we not doing a Van Hammer bio? No, no no Van Hammer bio. This isn't what we're going to get into uh, in, in, our in last, future season. Our last show of the season, you don't want it to be a bio on Van Hammer? What are we doing this for? I'd much rather have a bio on one of the guys in the next match. We get a lethal lottery match number two here. Dustin Rhodes. Uh, the the what do they call him? The natural Dustin Rhodes. The natural Dustin Rhodes. Taking uh, teaming up with Big Van Vader. You mentioned they t- they went against each other in uh, the the tournament for Nicole, or the King of King of Cable. King of me. Cable, yes. Uh, and they're going to team up here, taking on the team of Kensuke Sasaki and the Barbarian. Another New Japan uh, tie-in here with Kensuke Sasaki. Uh, match number two here, PJ, I'm going to let you get us started off. How'd you feel about Dustin Rhodes and Vader versus Kensuke Sasaki and the Barbarian? So this is when the matches start going from good to great. This match was really good. Great chemistry between the teams. It, I mean, it was a, um, it's, it was a tag match. Like we get it. Like, and it went really quick. We went about seven minutes here. Uh, I want to touch a little bit on, uh, Kensuke Sasaki here. Great talent to, uh, trained by Tokyo Joe. Uh, he made his new, new Japan debut actually in 2000, uh, or excuse me, in, uh, I had it, in 1990. Um, but uh, he was in a team called the Hellraisers, and this is a lot where he first got his, um, his fame here. He was actually named the Power Warrior when he teamed with World Warrior Hawk. After Hawk went to New Japan and Animal yeah. stayed behind, and they were the Hellraisers, which was really cool. I really did enjoy that a lot. Uh, he won the IWGP Championship in 1997. Uh, he kept fighting, uh, fighting World of uh, Japan Pro Wrestling um, freelance for a little bit to 2014, where he came back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he's just a hell of a talent, man. And this was cool to see him in there, man. He really, he really, excuse me, had a lot of chemistry with the Barbarian, which. You got it. I mean, Barbarian could have a great match against a pillow. Um, my boy, Big Van Vader and Dustin Rhodes. I mean, that's a cool, that's a cool combination right there. And uh, of course, we get Big Van Vader and Dustin Rhodes going over there, uh, and then they get to put into the lethal lottery. Great match. I really, I really enjoyed it. I gave it three stars. Yeah, I gave it two stars. There was some fun stuff in the match. Um, there was a decent de- uh, double team move by Vader and, and Dustin Rhodes, almost like a heart attack type move. Vader picked up, uh, I believe it was uh, the Barbarian, and Rhodes would hit the ropes and kind of hit him with a clothesline. Man, Kensuke Sasaki suplexes Vader in this match. What a crazy, yeah, crazy spot. Uh, obviously, a typical WWE finish with a schoolboy for the win. 
uh, Vader and Rhodes go over, uh, and then you, you know see- Vader Vader hits Sasaki too with a avalanche off the second rope, which was pretty yeah. sick to see. Yeah, Love there that. was some really good spots in this match, and then you, after the match, you see Vader attack uh, Rhodes uh, before you know they go into well. Vader's going to have two more matches in this card. But I got a question for you. Did you know that the Barbarian was a fill-in for the Head Shrinkers in WWF? I, I did know that. Yeah, I was watching some classic WWF Monday Night Raws and saw him show up with who would become Rikishi. It was Batu. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what they called him, but I did not realize that he was one of the Head Shrinkers. I, just, I thought that was funny and definitely a gimmick that did not fit him. Uh, you know, he's the barbarian. He's not, you know, a head shrinker. Uh, but, yeah. I, but I digress. A good match here. Uh, the next match on the card, another lethal lottery match. One of my favorite matches on the card. Uh, you get the team of Barry Windham and the great Muda taking on two cold Scorpio and flying Brian Pillman. Uh, the caveat, Barry Windham and flying Brian Pillman will be challenging for the world tag team championships later on in the show. But here they're going to go up against each other in the lethal lottery Match number three, and I'm going to get us started off here. The first thing I noticed, Brian Pillman, they mentioned he's from Cincinnati. They mentioned he's a former Bengal. Uh, he's in his Cincinnati Bengals gear uh, for this match. Uh, you know, I wrote in my notes, oh, wow, great action with Wyndham and Scorpio. Great action with Muda and Pillman. Uh, ahead of their time with some of the acrobatic stuff that they did in this match. Yes. Uh, some really great action with Pillman and Wyndham exchanging sh- uh, chops. Uh, I thought it was sort of a weird finish. Muda gets Scorpio with the moonsault. But this match was just all four of these guys in this match wrestled with each other really well. Three and a half stars is what I gave this match. PJ, how'd you feel about this? Wyndham and Muda versus Scorpio and Pillman. It, it's it's a damn good match, man. And, you know, all these tag team matches and broken record here are perfect amount of time. They're timed out just so great here. Um, the crowd is hot for Muda. They are they're, – they're loving Great Muda, which is great here. Um, but um, <laughs> we get a hot tag to Muda. Muda tags in and just a jumping spin kick right to Brian's jaw. And I was like, shit, that was stiff. <laughs> like it made, it made me go, whoa, holy fuck. And Two Cold Scorpio, again, is one of, one of the most underrated in the ECW game. Um, again – uh, he's on the same card here as Shane Douglas. Him and Shane Douglas had an, a wonderful match for Shane Douglas to be crowned the NWA championship. We talked about that in our Barely Legal uh, 97 uh, show in the archives. But he hits a killer fucking uh, 450 splash here. Um, Two Cool Scorpio does, man. And I love it. Great match. Great action. Uh, again, uh, I get four stars, man. I thought it was great. I really yeah. did enjoy it. The great Muda, I would not call underrated. He is a legend from Japan. Oh, uh, no, not at all. I, I believe that the other three participants in this match are three of the most underrated wrestlers in history. Uh, with, you know, we, we talked about Barry Windham. We'll get, we'll, we'll try to dive more into him with the tag team match that he's going to be involved in later in the show. Um, but yeah, you know, four really talented wrestlers, really good, uh, really good superstars here in this match. Uh, but following this match, we get the, the fourth and final lethal lottery matchup to decide the final two competitors for the battle royal that will end the show. And we get Sting has already been decided. His partner, Dr. Death Steve Williams, taking on the team of Eric Watts and Jushin Thunder Liger. Now, if there was a team that had no business being together, it was Jushin Thunder Liger and Eric Watts. 
not because of Jushin Thunder Liger, but Eric Watts is total ass. Uh, yeah. PJ, how'd you feel about this? Steve Williams and Sting, Eric Watts and Jushin Thunder Liger. You know, Eric Watts' whole career was there because his father was Bill Watts. Yep. Everyone knows this. This was ridiculous. And to put him with Liger, come on. Not just Liger, but he's also in the ring with Dr. With Death Steve yeah. Williams and Sting. Like, there's Sting and Dr. Death are now tasked with making Eric Watts look good. This match was the longest lethal lottery match, and it was the least deserving. It, yes. it was just, you know, oh, geez. No. Okay, so I don't have a lot of notes here, but Liger is getting brutalized by Sting and Williams. I mean, he's taking a lot of bumps here. Uh, Sting misses a stinger splash here, but he's able to tag in Williams, who just, like, stomps Liger in. It's it's a little sniff there. Yeah. Um, I love Rots goes for his patented drop kick, and Ross is just like, he didn't get all that. Like, cheese, man. <laughs> he didn't get a fucking centimeter of it. It was terrible, and he's terrible. He's terrible. You're, you are terrible, sir. Um, I gave this match two stars only because getting to see my boy Liger and Sting tie up uh, to start the match off was I, – I literally was just grinning, grinning. It, it was so fun. Um, but that's all I got to say that about that match. There's not too much. We went nine minutes there, and it was eight minutes too long. Yeah, you mentioned Liger and Sting start the match. The crowd was super hot for it. Uh, Watson, at one point in this match, gives an arm drag to Dr. Death that almost kills Dr. Death. Just really ugly arm drag. There was a weird transition where Liger hit a hot tag. Uh, I love seeing Sting in the, in the bright blue gear on the show. Um, and then again, Eric Watts is awful. Uh, he, he, he gets sort of stun gunned across the top rope uh, for the, uh, to the win for Williams. I gave this match two stars as well. But you mentioned outside of this match, the rest of the matches in the Lethal Lottery went the perfect length. It's a supersized Starcade pay-per-view here. They kept calling it the granddaddy of them all. Uh, it was the fifth year. It was, well, it was year five after WrestleMania premiered. Uh, but this is the 10th Starcade. So a really jam-packed show here. But uh, like I said, uh, most of these matches, with this exception, uh, went the perfect amount of time to really move the pay-per-view right along. And we'll do the same thing on the show as now we have gotten the, the, the eight competitors for the Battle Bowl Battle Royal at the end of the show. And we'll get into some championship matches here at Starcade 92. The first one being the first ever NWA World Championship match between two Japanese wrestlers on American soil. They wanted to drive that point home. Masahiro Chono, the champion, taking on the great Muda. The first thing I picked up on was when they were doing the announcing, they gave him a one-hour time limit. I was terrified that this match was going to take a full hour and they were going to have to rush the show, but uh, they didn't. The show, this, this match was a great match. I gave it three stars. May have, uh, may have, have given it a little more. Uh, I don't know. There, there might have been some things that I, I would have liked to see differently. Uh, I did write a, a few of my notes. I better know Masahiro Chono. Not as the NWA world champion. We're seeing him with the big gold belt here because I remember him as one of the New Japan affiliates of the New World Order in the late 90s. So it was weird seeing him in this white and, I believe, purple gear. Uh, but nevertheless, um, it's the second match where JR, JR called somebody the master of the SDF. They tried to call, I don't know if you picked up on it, they tried to call <laughs> Eric Watts the master of the STF, but then they say that it's, no, it's Masahiro Chono in this match. Uh, nevertheless, really great back and forth early in the match. 
They did the pace of the match slowed down to a halt at one point. However, uh, later in the match, Masahiro Chono looks like he's setting up for a Boston Crab and goes into the STF. I love the way that he set up getting the STF and gets the win with it to retain the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Different world of wrestling in 1992. We've seen people use the STF. Uh, John Cena calls it, used it for a while called the STFU, or I forgot what his uh, what what he would coin it. And PGA, I know you love hearing that, but nevertheless, uh, he was the he was I guess the next big one to be able to get wins with that STF. But but Masahiro Chono executed it much better than than your favorite wrestler John Cena. Uh, three stars for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match. PJ, how'd you feel about Masahiro Chono versus the Great Moody here on Starcade '92? So this match is super fun. It's it's very infamous and it's actually a controversial match. I don't know how much you know here about what actually occurred. Uh, behind the scenes of this match, but uh, Chono and Muda had a rivalry in Japan that was just fantastic. They had a great match in Japan, so Watts booked the rematch for Starcade for he went for tradition purposes. And on a lot of accounts, Watts told them to not do so well and to stink up the joint a little bit so the WCW wouldn't get shown up. Wow. Um, so that's, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but. Um, they are so there's this crowd is so hot for great Muda, which is so fun because usually the foreign talent, and especially you see that a lot in the late nineties, uh, but the foreign yes. talent would just get booed by a lot of audiences and it was very deflating, but, um, this is, you know, they're loving them. You know, um, it reminds me, it sort of tells me let's, let's fast forward to today's wrestling. Unless you're a, an avid follower of say a new Japan, like you are a lot of people that might see some of these wrestlers come over to WWE or AEW may not know who they're looking at. Uh, like uh, Okada or who was the guy that has like the time trap, the time, like the, he always looks like back to the future Kushida. In, oh well, yeah. In, yeah. In, in NXT. So fans, unless you're looking for that sort of stuff, don't really pay attention. You could tell this crowd here in 1992 were wrestling fans because to your point, especially in the late nineties, the foreign crowd, the foreign talent didn't really get over. And the Japanese talent in this in this pay-per-view were over like Rover here. And it was fantastic to see Jushin Thunder Liger get pops, the great Muda get pops. It was like you said, really great stuff here. Yeah, and I I just really enjoyed this match. It's just not as great as what it could have been because of Bill Watts, but I'm not blaming them on that. So I'm still giving the match four stars. Um, I really did enjoy this match. I did enjoy the finish as well. We get a drop kick that Chono turns into an STF, like you said. Great stuff here, man. And it just keeps getting better because we get into more. I, it just keeps getting better. This this pay per view was surprisingly just fantastic. Yeah, it's the pay per view. You know, you like to see pay per view sort of like kind of like the uh, the plot to a story where you get the the introduction to the story and then the Suspense rises in, until you get the, that climax at the end of the show, and it, that's sort of how it felt here. We did need a little break after this match. We get uh, the commentary team saying that Rick Rude, uh, due to his injury, now they're talking about stripping him of the U.S. title, and now we get Rick Rude coming out, cutting a promo that WCW will never take his title away from him, that uh, I believe uh, Vader broke the ribs of Sting, but Sting didn't get, get stripped of the title uh, but it's to lead up into the world championship match that he will not get to participate in. The WCW World Heavyweight Championship is on the line in the next match. 
as Ron Simmons, futurely known as Baruch. I see I made up a word too. Uh, Ron Simmons, the champion, <laughs> taking on Dr. Death Steve Williams. It's a few times we mentioned him for the show. Uh, PJ, WCW World Heavyweight Championship is on the line. How would you feel about this match between Dr. Death Steve Williams and Ron Simmons? So this match kind of gets a bad rap after I'm doing research after doing research on it because of uh, just the potential awesomeness of the Japanese match that came before it. But this match was great and it was hard hitting, super fucking stiff. Um, I, Ross is so happy to recount the history of Florida State and Oklahoma. It's I sickening. Love, listen, almost. no, listen. I know you don't follow sports, but this is part of the, my favorite part about this match because you get him talking about the fact that. Uh, Oklahoma and Florida State played each other in their in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, then you get so, sort of a spot where they're they both get three point stances and they just kind of run into each other like offensive linemen and defensive linemen would. Uh, really good stuff here. I personally love whenever you can truly cross over football and wrestling. That's where the show that's that's what this podcast is based on tying in both both football. That's a good point. That's for wrestling. Point. I love seeing stuff like this, but but please. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I did want to mention I love seeing and hearing about the Florida State-Oklahoma battles and then watching these two former football players who played against each other in college go at it in the squared circle. It was fantastic. Yeah, I didn't mind it. Not at all. But <laughs> just like – man, we're really, we're really, we're really pushing for that. Okay. That's, that's fun. So did you love the, the WrestleMania 11? More, with Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam yeah. Bigelow? Is that your favorite match ever? Oh, no. Um, it wasn't my favorite match. I liked the tie. It didn't belong in the main event. Um, but I loved watching, uh, Kevin Green. Okay. In WCW. I was just going to say that. Yeah. I loved uh, Kevin Green was my favorite, my favorite football player i have pictures in elementary school wearing my my carolina panthers kevin green jersey um i i love me some kevin green when i would the first time i ever played madden was on a pc and i made sure that i found kevin green whatever team i played with that i put him on that team obviously steve mongam and michael we've talked about on the show quite possibly the worst wrestler to ever ever you know become a united states champion and david flair was once a united states champion so that's 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 yeah. saying something. So, but no, I uh, there's certain certain times where you can tie them in, and they mentioned somebody else later in the show was a former football player, and you can tell it might have even been Dan Spivey. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, yeah, it's I like the way that they tie in. But if the if the guys can't go, they can't go. Uh, Kevin Green yeah. could go, Mongo couldn't. You may not have seen it. Former Carolina Panthers running back D'Angelo Williams. I actually uh, met him at a Monday Night Raw. Um, he had one match in TNA when they were still six-sided rings. And he, I mean, I think he did a backflip in that match. Uh, D'Angelo Williams could go. So again, whenever there's the crossover, and then one of my favorite wrestlers, I did a, I did a feature on him, Del Wilkes, the Patriot, who passed away earlier this year. Um, it was one of those crossovers that me and my dad could have because he played at the University of South Carolina. He's one of the all-time greats at South Carolina and he would become famous for being the Patriot, uh, both in WCW as a tag team champion with, uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And then with his rivalry with the, uh, Bret Hart and the Hart foundation in WWF, but I digress. Keep getting off topic here. Let's get back, uh, to the WCW world heavyweight championship match that we're talking about right now. 
Well, hold on. I know you how much you love Kevin Green so much. I I have a small Kevin Green story real quick. So Perfect. I used to I used to work at uh, uh, a bar here. I was kitchen manager for a little while, and they we they did this. Um, the, it was when the NFL Hall of Fame was going on. It was I was on the TV, and and um, Kevin Green went in that year. So it was pretty recent. I mean, it was a couple, maybe like three or four years ago. You would probably know better than I did. So I'm I know the ball. It, it had to have been a few years ago because Kevin Green passed away earlier this year as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, so I'm, I'm at the bar and I'm kind of just watching and I'm like, oh shit, it's Kevin Green. And someone's like, yeah, man, he defensive, you know, whatever, whatever position he was, he was this, 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 and this. And it I was, said, he was, well, that- he held the record for sacks by a linebacker uh, in, in NFL history. I believe somebody may have just passed him recently, but. Uh, when he retired, he was the all-time leading sack record from the linebacker position. Well, that's not the greatest thing he did, and that's what I told the gentleman beside me. And he was like, <laughs> well, what did he do? I said, Pshaw. he teamed up with Roddy Roddy Piper and Ric Flair and stopped the NWO at Slamboree 97. I mean, what what are you talking about? <laughs> that's fantastic. And he looked at me like I was stupid, and I was like, whatever, dude. <laughs> but yeah, I'll never forget that. That was – and, like, I was serious. I looked him dead in his eyes. I was like, this is why Kevin Green matters. But that's here's so why Dr. Funny. And Ron Simmons matter. Uh, they uh, they go 15 minutes here. Great match. Uh, really stiff too. And I'm loving. Uh, I do love the little football knocks that they're doing here. They're you know Simmons is now uh, the crowd's really hot behind Ron Simmons as he's going after Doc's knees here. Um, we get a count out here, which I did not expect, and I had forgotten that that happened. And I get what we're trying to do. Keep. You know, keep guys keep guys strong here. This match honestly would have been four and a half stars, man. If if uh, if we didn't get the count out, and then we got the silly bullshit of after the bell, Nick Patrick reversing the the decision, and then now disqualifies Simmons. And yep. we're supposed to make it like, well, Ron Simmons retains the title. He would have retained the title anyway on a count out. Yep. Um, I, I didn't love it. It was way too confusing. Way yeah. too confusing. Uh, yeah, I gotta get, I, I gotta give it four stars for that because of that, you know, that, that fuck up, but it, it, it was, it was still a really good match. I don't take anything away from the competitors and I love Ron Simmons title run here, man. I, I really do love it. It's, it's ter- terrific. Yeah. I, uh, I'll be honest. I didn't love this match as much as you did. I gave it, I originally gave this match three stars. Uh, you mentioned this was a hard hitting, just uh violent match. They're beating the hell out of each other. And WWE, uh, JR would have called this a slobber knocker because they really beat the hell out of each other. Um, Dr. Death, uh, you, you mentioned Ron Simmons going after the legs. Dr. Death was really going after Ron Simmons' legs until Simmons uh, turned the table and did the same. And then Ron Simmons started, he wasn't even selling the fact that he was, you know, his knee was injured, whatever the case was. Uh, then you mentioned the double count out for the finish. And then Dr. Death hits a, uh, Hits a top rope move that would would force Nick Patrick to reverse the decision, uh, give him the DQ loss. Uh, Jesse, the body Ventura on commentary even says, how can you reverse a decision on a double countout? It made no sense. Because of the finish, I, I dropped it from a three-star a, a three to two-and-a-half stars just because, like you said, it was confusing. It didn't make sense. Um, and, it, and it could have been a lot better if they had just, I don't know, made the finish make sense. Yeah, I don't often agree with Jesse the Body Ventura, but I totally did right there. I was like, he's absolutely correct. <laughs> he now he's adding logic to an illogical situation. That's, he is the yeah. he is the worker getting work. You become the very thing you swallow to destroy. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, that's what I felt about that. 
Well, but we, nevertheless, it was a really good match, man. Yeah, it was a great match. Uh, again, uh, I love the the power, power, power dynamic. Football players going at it. Uh, really good stuff here. But we're gonna get one more title match here on the card. And uh, I, I know I asked you off the air why they decided to let this go on as the last title match, but I guess they needed a break before the penultimate match, or or I guess that's that's the way to call it. Uh, we get a unified tag team championship match. I mentioned earlier in the show, Barry Windham will team up with Flying Brian Pillman to take on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Shane Douglas, who are currently the WCW Unified Tag Team Champions. I'll be honest, I had no idea that Shane Douglas was a WCW champion this early in his career and that he was a, he would share it with the legend like Ricky Steamboat. Um, I'll get us started off here. I wrote, I wrote some notes down here. There's no protective mat on the outside. They talk about the fact that this is a uh, this is a hockey rink when they're not doing this in the Omni, um, and all of a sudden uh, you start seeing people hit the floor and you're like, oh my god, there's no mat out here. Uh, Pillman took a drop kick on the apron uh, that sent him to the floor, and he nailed the guardrail. Really did a good job of selling it, and not getting hurt. Uh, the floor is made of particle board, and it is tearing apart. And it, at one point, Shane Douglas is hit to the outside, and the particle board is coming off all over Shane Douglas here. Uh, Steamboat using a steel chair in the match. I don't, I mean, granted, the crowd loved it because they love Steamboat, but it didn't really fit his character because it's a heel spot. When you're hitting a chair behind the referee's back, that's not a babyface spot. Uh, but he got away with it here. The match went a little too long considering how the, the previous match ended. Uh, and Douglas just got beaten down like a son of a bitch for way too long in this match. Uh, you know, the guys were going hard the entire time. Jim Ross helped make this match on commentary with the excitement in his voice. And then I don't like the belly to belly for the win, but it was a great finish because you see Wyndham trying to jump over the top rope to break it up. Steamboat holds him down to stop him. And the pin was, it was just magnificent finish here. I gave this match three and a half, three and a half stars. PJ, how'd you feel about this tag team title match between Wyndham and Pillman taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Shane Douglas? Boy, howdy. I thought this might have been the match of the night until I see the match after it. I gave this match five stars. I loved everything about it. It went 20 minutes. Uh, it was a perfect amount of time. You had just amount of, just the right amount of heat uh, to get the match over. Uh, during an, uh, during a backstage interview, you have Wyndham attacking both of these guys with the steel chair, uh, which is where, of course, we get the steel chair later on. The match really picks up when Steamboat is demanding to be tagged in. We get no, 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 and then finally we get uh, done. It Steamboat rushes in. That crowd pops hard, knocks the piss out of Wyndham. Uh, I wrote that he gets a cheap shot on on Pillman there. Um, I love it, man. He filming gets the tag in as well and smacking Shane around. These guys actually have a lot of good chemistry together. Uh, Ricky and Shane, like I've got them on speed dial. Steamboat <laughs> and Douglas, they have great chemistry together. Um, I wrote yikes when Douglas drop kicks destroys Barry with the chair. Uh, Shane's trying to get the tag here. Pillman catches him. Ricky's trying to protest to the referee, and then we get the big double team from the heels, big boo. I mean, it's just such. Good classic tag team wrestling, man. It really was. Uh, and these guys just put on a tremendous effort. I do love the finish. Like you said, when all four are in, uh, you get to hear – and that's another reason I gave it five stars because of what you said. Jim Ross is putting his emotion into this match. The match is breaking loose. All four are in the, in the ring. 
I love it. Tremendous effort by all involved. Like I said, uh, the crowd wasn't as excited as I thought they would be. But again, like we like we mentioned, this is supposed to be the breather match. But to me, so far, this is the best, best match on the card. And the right guys went over, too. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Fantastic match. Well, while we're sitting here um, on this match, before we move on to the penultimate match on the card, uh, which was my favorite match on the card, uh, let's take a second to think about and to talk about Barry Windham. Um, I've seen him in pictures recently, and he hasn't looked in great health. But Ric Flair has gone on record to say that Barry Windham is one of the best performers that he's ever seen and ever been in the ring with, Mm -hmm. Uh, that he could move like a high flyer with the – uh, with the the size of a, of a big man, um, this show, not just this tag team match he was in here, but even the tag team match that he was in with the Leave Lottery, uh, Barry Windham. I mean, he can fly around that ring. He's he's quick. He's powerful. Uh, I don't think he's the greatest on the mic, and that might be why he didn't get a longer run at the top. Uh, but Barry Windham is is to me. Uh, you mentioned it, or, you know, at the start of the show, he's one of the most underrated wrestlers in, in wrestling history, at least underappreciated. He is a WWE Hall of Famer going in with the Four Horsemen, uh, but nevertheless, he is uh, a hidden gem in uh, the wrestling history. Uh, and this this pay per view is a prime example of how good Barry Windham really was in the ring. Uh, yeah, and and I think too, I got to mention here, like. I think later on, WCW starts to see that with him. He actually goes on to defeat the great Muda for the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He and that, I think that was at Super Bowl three, and he he holds it for a good bit. I just want to go through just a little bit here with some of his uh, accolades. I'll say, NWA United States Tag Team Champion three times with Mike Rotunda, NWA Southern Heavyweight Championship, NWA United States Heavyweight Championship once, United or NWA uh, World Heavyweight Championship, NWA Mid Atlantic World Heavyweight Championship, WCW World Tag Team Championship four times with Luger, uh, Rhodes, Henning, and Kendall Windham. Yep, I remember uh, WCW- when he was in the. Uh- the West Texas Rednecks. West, yeah, West Texas. Was he? I forgot Kendall was in that. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it was Kendall. It was Kendall Wyndham, Barry Wyndham, Kurt Hennig, yeah. and the last guy is eluding me, but I didn't mean to cut off what you're talking the about. The West Texas Rednecks. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Jesus uh, Christ. The, they had the, um, the Rap is Crap album. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Poor bastards. Um, <laughs> uh, we have the NWA World Tag Team Championship again with Telly Blanchard. Uh, in 1993, he was voted number 11 uh, in PWI's ranked top 500 wrestlers. Uh, I'm not done. NWA North American Heavyweight Championship, WWE Hall of Famer, like you said, with four horsemen. Uh, WWF Tag Team Champion twice with Mike Rotunda, Rookie of the Year in 1980. 1980, Rookie of the Year. And his career spanned all through those years that I just mentioned. It's just a fantastic talent. And I, I do hate to hear that he's not doing that well. He's had a, f- a few heart attacks these past couple of years. But um, I think that he should be talked about more when you talk about classic and even innovating uh, pro wrestling. And maybe that's, you know, an overshot to some. But I well, encourage you to go out and look up some um, some barrier window matches, whether it's his, uh, his famous main event with Ric Flair, where he um, uh, beats Ric Flair for the title, where it's his matches with Sting, where it's, it, where it's his tag team matches with Mike Rotunda. Uh, Barry Windham is the man. Now, remind me, because I could be wrong. 
he and Mike Rotunda, are they not like cousins or brothers? Because if I'm not mistaken, um, that Blackjack, it was was it it was Blackjack Mulligan was uh, was the father of Mike Rotunda because he was the grandfather of both Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt. So I'm not yeah, uh, sure. Ba- that- I, Barry Windham is the is the the uncle of Bray Wyatt. That's what I thought. So that means he's the brother yeah. of Mike Rotunda. Yeah, that's what I thought. And if you looked at him, I'm not sure if you could see it, but. Yeah, it's crazy that, you know, we talked about like, you know, either brothers, you know, we, we had Rey Mysterio and Dominic as WWE Tag Team Champions, the first father and son duo. You had uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chavo as, as you know, um, I guess, uncle, nephew. Uh, you've had plenty of brothers uh, be Tag Team Champions you think about between the Hardy Boys uh, and the list can go on. But thinking about Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham as Tag Team Champions is another one of those brother pairings that would win the tag titles that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot. Yeah. I, I think he, I think Mike Rotunda married Barry's sister and their, their brother-in-laws either way. Like yeah. But yes, yeah, so I, I think that's what it was. I, I can't remember, but yeah, I think I, I, I think you are right though. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, Cause you've got, cause I mean, you've got the, the Hart family in you know, the British Bulldog and Owen Hart brother-in-laws. They were tag team champions, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart were brother-in-laws and they were tag team champions. Tag team nobody, champions. Yep. Nobody really talks about Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham. And I, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that Rotunda would become IRS and BK wall street. Another one of those underrated, not the greatest wrestlers in the world, but, but to think what he could have been uh, given the right circumstances. Nevertheless, uh, we're going to move into my favorite match on the card here. Uh, the King of cable match, the trophy is in the, the trophy is presented before the match. The, the finals of this tournament, big van Vader and the man they call Sting, PJ, because Vader is your favorite wrestler of all time, I'm going to let you start us off and give us your thoughts on this King of Cable match, Vader versus Sting at Starcade 92. Oh, you spoil me. Uh, so Sting is going on now to try to be – he's trying to win the Battle Bowl twice in a row uh, and get the two rings, and he's also trying to become the King of Cable. Um He's just an, a renaissance man, this this Sting character. I guess he goes on to have a decent career. But he's got a challenge in front of him that is Mr. Big Van Vader. We've talked about this in the start of the show, how great these two were together. Uh, Vader is absolutely mauling Sting early on. It's it's all I wrote, I wrote he's like a grizzly bear on PCP. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um anyway. Uh, I I really do enjoy it, though. Get, Vader's getting real physical here. He blocks a stinger splash with a boot. Ow, that oh, was yeah. fucking stiff. Um, he's just go, he's just leveling him, and it's almost just sad. St- Vader is just like Kong, like just smashing up with those forearms. Man, he's not wearing gloves either, which kind of bothered. I know me. I noticed that too. I don't know too. why it bothered me, but it did bother me. Well, because he, he he typically wore gloves most most nights, especially when you remember him in WWE. He was always wearing gloves, or the, you know the finger gloves. But yeah, no, that's the first thing I noticed when he first showed up in the uh, in the lethal lottery tag team matches, and he wasn't wearing gloves this night. That meant somebody was going to get an ass beat. Yeah, I love the um, it's it's not quite a Hulk up because it's not as corny, but Sting is not being phased by Vader's punches anymore. And this the the clocks that Sting is throwing at Vader, it is stiff. He is catching him right on the chin. Oh, yeah. And if he and if he's not, he's good at selling it. Um 
Sting fucking gets him up from a, a standing position for a Samoan drop that almost fucked up. It was almost scary. Uh, Vader goes, <laughs> I love the finish here. It came out of nowhere. Uh, it, it was basically an RKO. Vader goes up, gets a splash pancake. Vader goes back up for another and Sting catches him for a quick power slam for a quick one, two, three, and becomes your king of cable. Sting. Beats Vader again right here. Great stuff here, man. I mean, ultimate babyface. Sting is Mr. WCW. He's selling Vader's offense like a king. Vader is just throwing everything he can at him and just makes one little mistake. I love that psychology of, of heel work where he had the match. He made a mistake. You know, I, yep. I again, I think that technique should be used more in modern day wrestling. Every wrestler, every athlete can have a bad day. Vader had a bad day. Fuck. No. I'm not, I'm trying not to talk about current talent, but it's just, uh, that bothers me. But we, I I gave it five stars. And not just because it's Sting and Vader, it's because it's just, they did so well here. And the psychology was perfect. Uh, The right guy went over, especially when we get into the next match. Um, Love it. Love it a lot. I gave this match four stars, not that it didn't deserve five, um, but you mentioned those guys went at it hard and early. You know, you mentioned uh, Sting selling like a champ for Vader. I think Vader was selling like a champ for Sting. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could tell Sting was so over and doing crazy stuff to Vader. Uh, He hit him with a, I believe a, a, no, it was Suzaki hit him with a German suplex or a German suplex, but Sting would hit Vader with a superplex. I believe off the middle rope that I thought he was going to kill Vader with. Um, you mentioned at, at one point Sting isn't being phased by the shots. Uh, he's doing the old Rocky thing where he wants Vader to punch him out. So he puts his hands up and he's just letting Vader just go off on him while he's guarding his face and just trying to let Vader punch himself out. Uh, they kept, they mentioned it early in the match that Sting wanted to get in, you know, 15 minutes deep into the match so that, cause he knew that he could sort of out condition Vader um, uh, they're just going balls to the wall here, man. I felt exhausted watching the match. Like watching <laughs> them beat each other up made me get tired. Uh, really great storytelling down the stretch. Uh, the false finish from the splash from the top rope. And then you mentioned the finish. Sting catches Vader going for another splash, reverses it into a power slam and gets the win. Uh, yeah, just a great match here. Um, I'm starting to see, because this is the second Vader versus Sting match that we reviewed on the show. And I'm starting to understand why you love watching these two guys go at it so much. Uh, yeah, they really just have just the best chemistry. And folks, I, I'm, I promise to this show, <coughs> this will be the last time I talk about this, but I want you to watch a match when you get time. It's great. And we can even uh, review it later on down the road. But it, it also takes place in Georgia, and it's Great American Bash 92. Um, and it's one of the first big main events that we get with Big Bang Vader and Sting, uh, and it's for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, and it's a fantastic match when you get the time. And then, you know, we and then we go to um, you know WCW Saturday Night with Vader and Rick Rude defeating Ron Simmons and Sting. That leads us to the King of Cable uh, tournament that we just went over. Next, we go to um, you know other matches where they just keep on going. We, 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 we take this all the way to 94, where pretty much the last match that they ever uh, face off is um, the, the Legends reunion that we did at Slamboree 94, uh, where Sting defeats Vader for the world title. But 
there's one more match that they do on uh, WCW Saturday night where Sting defeats Vader by DQ. That one doesn't count. I count the Slamboree, the Slamboree main event as their final match. And this just kicks it off. So just imagine, well, technically the Great American Bash kicks it off, but we're, we're about there. So just imagine we just, you know, three years of this fantastic rivalry. It, to me, it's it, it's no no contest to one of the best um, rivalries in WCW history. Well, it's going to carry over into the main event of the show where we get the Battle Bowl Battle Royal to decide who will get the Battle Bowl ring. Uh, the winners, to remind everybody from the uh, Lethal Lottery tag team matches, uh, would give us eight competitors in this match. Uh, Van Hammer, Dan Spidey, Vader and Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham and the Great Muda and Dr. Death, Steve Williams and Sting. Uh, Sting and Vader would go at it on the ramp uh, before, the ma- before they would ever actually get into the ring. Sting would eventually find himself into the ring. And Vader, correct me if I'm wrong, he dove over the top rope at Sting to yes, get he did. into this match. Holy shit. Yeah, he uh, did. Wow. And, and we talked about football crossovers. Vader was a Colorado, a University of Colorado football star before he came into wrestling. So another, yes, he was another uh, fantastic athlete. And to see a 400 pound man do an undertaker dive over the top rope, become a sting. He almost landed off. Like he almost landed terribly, but he, but he was able to make it uh, just real quick going through the match. Van Hammer, the first man eliminated. It should have been he or he or Dan Spivey. So I'm good <laughs> with the fact that he was the first one eliminated. And what do you know? Dan Spivey is the second man eliminated. Uh, we, we talked about we were already wrong about the fact that the Battle Bowl that we already reviewed came after this one, but they changed the rules for the Battle Bowl that would come later on, come a year after this, because here, if you go over the top rope and you land on the ramp, you are eliminated, whereas the 1993 Battle Bowl, you had to hit the floor, which meant that you were safe if you, as long as you landed on the ramp. Typical WCW changing the rules, uh, whatever it fits their needs. Uh, you know, we talk about, I, I talked about the fact that this match, you know, the last match rolled over into this one. Vader clothesline Sting over the top rope and eliminates both of them, both himself and Sting. Uh, I can't believe they did not make the final four. If you're keeping track, Van Hammer, Dan Spivey are gone. Sting and Vader are gone. That leaves uh, Van, ha- or that's uh, Van Hammer. It leaves the great Buddha <laughs> and Dr. Death uh, with, Yes. And Barry Windham. Yeah. Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham here. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, they were selling the fact that he and Barry Windham used to be best friends and tag team partners. So they're going at it on one side of the ring. Uh, we get another uh, another double elimination. I actually wrote my notes that I had a feeling it was going to be Muda or Dr. Death getting the win because I did not watch this beforehand. Uh, but then you get a double elimination. Dr. Death gets Dustin Rhodes over the top rope. So there goes one of my uh, predictions. Uh, but then all of a sudden... Nick Patrick is in the ring. There's no pinfall or submission. What the fuck is Nick Patrick doing in the ring? It makes absolutely I, I, no sense. I literally said that. I was like, why is why is Nick in the fucking ring? Like he's like, just like, I, I rewound it too, and I was like, why is he in there? Like it's like it's like they used to make jokes about Jimmy Hart always finding a way to get on camera. Nick Patrick's yeah. gonna find his way to get into a match with the referee. Um, nevertheless, uh, I called it the great Muda drop kicks, hits a great drop kick on Barry Windham. To get the win, and Great Muda wins the second ever WCW Battle Bowl. Uh, not a lot to really talk about this match. Uh, it wasn't, obviously, we, we had two great matches prior. 
This is an eight-man battle royal. Not really much to speak of. I gave this match two stars. Um, you know, there were a lot of legends in this match, but it's just, again, I don't, I can't give a battle royal five stars. It's just not in my in my DNA. PJ, no. how do you feel about this battle, battle bowl, battle royal main event here? I gave it three stars simply because Great Muda won. Um, I I hated how they had Vader walking out and then Sting behind him, and then right when the bell rings, Vader chases him outside. I wish they would have had Vader just waiting for Sting to come out and then just starts nailing at him. Yeah. I also I also hate the fact that we put a lot of risk on. Will Sting get that second battle ball ring? Will he do that? Will he do that? And then he gets eliminated just so haphazardly and just so um, abruptly. Well, but I guess not, not just but, that. he was he was the the third slash fourth guy eliminated. Yeah, like he didn't yeah, make exactly. The final four. And I, I, but I guess also that's logical because you never know when you're going to be fucking eliminated. When a four hundred pound guy chases you over your ropes, you're going to go outside. So yeah. in that aspect, I guess I get it. Uh, Great Muda here is selling hard for Barry Windham. They are put. I this I guarantee you. This was a test to see how they were chemistry-wise, much like we saw with Sean and uh, Undertaker at the end of the 2007 Warrior Rumble to see how that would lead up to a main event match eventually. We would get Muda and Wyndham at Super Brawl for the NWA title later on down the road. That's exactly what this was, in my opinion. And they put on a great show. Muda, yes, with those drop kicks. I kind of wish we got the miss there uh, in eliminating uh, Wyndham. That's great. Missed so bad. They even showed a sign that said missed or said uh. Muda spray here. There was like a bullseye on the sign. I really wanted yeah. to see the great Muda. Uh, I I did enjoy the match. Uh, I gotta say, you know, I get like I said, I gave this match three stars overall. You know, freak. This was a great pay per view, and I want to touch on something here too. We had a lot of MVPs in this pay per view. We had people that wrestled three times: Sting, yeah. Vader, um, Barry Windham. We had well, he wrestled well, yeah, he wrestled twice, but no, he wrestled three times. He, he was in the tag times. match, yeah, he was in two tag um, matches and the battle royal. Yeah. That's three, yeah, that's right, yep, yeah, yeah, he was in the tag match. That's right. So, I gotta ask you, in your opinion, who was the, if you had to pick one, who was the MVP of uh, of this pay per view? Oh, Sting, I mean, you could you could argue it was it was Barry Windham, uh, but Sting got his ass beat for for near 20 minutes, uh, by Vader, and and that's not like worked ass beaten he took stiff shots uh vader beat him up for a solid 20 minutes i know he only wrestled in uh you know well i guess he did wrestle in three matches but like even the tag team match that he was in it went long uh but he did a lot of work in that match i just and then obviously he wins the i want to call it the tv title match because i that ridiculous cable whatever they wanted to call it just doesn't flow right with me king Uh, king king of tbs yeah, let's go the TBS championship. Um, now that's a women's title in, in AEW. I digress. Um, oh, yeah. no, I just, you know, I'd have to give it to Sting. There's not not really much. There's a reason why they called him the franchise, and, and this pay-per-view is is a prime example. Who would you give the MVP to if you had the option uh, to PJ? So, like my mind does go to Sting, but honestly, I think the great Muda. You know, he that's had, actually a uh, fair point too. He had a hellacious tag match that was just well, that's maybe being dramatic, but he had a he had a fast paced tag match with Old Barry, Brian Pillman, and Tuchel Scorpio. They were just, I mean, just going back and forth, insane. Uh, he had a little bit of a break, but then he had like a a fantastic 
uh, match with Masachono for the NWA world title. And of course we get the battle ball. So there's a little bit of a break there, but I mean, Sting, I see it because he, he had a, a ridiculous match with Vader and then right off the fucking bat had to jump into battle ball. So I guess I agree with you on Sting, but there's an argument. There's an argument there that it was uh, it was a great mood of there. And plus be, being in foreign territory, I mean, no pun intended. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Part of me kind of goes with great mood of there. But as as your MVP of Starcade, who would you say is the is there an opposite of MVP? Is there a least valuable player? Who's your least valuable player in this pay per view? And I already know who you're going to say. I just want to hear you say it. Yeah, I'll give you my LVP in a second. The NFL, if I'm not mistaken, shared the MVP once, so we can we can equally share the MVP with with the Great Muda and Sting. I'm totally okay with that. There you uh, go. The LVP is obviously Eric Watts. I mean, I don't think you can really go much worse yeah. than. Yeah. Eric Watson, a feature opportunity. I'm just glad that they didn't. I mean, obviously, you're not going to let him go over uh, the two guys that he went up against, but I'm just glad that he he didn't go over in the tag match and wind up in Battle Bowl. So, um, yeah, that would have been bad. I yeah. will say, I, I, I wanted, I, you know, I find your lack of Katniss Jack in this pay per view disturbing. I wanted to see a little bit more Katniss Jack. And, um, I mean, you know, not to take anything away from the other competitors in this match, but I wish the battle ball, if I could have put it, put two more people in the battle ball, um, Liger and Katniss Jack, I think that just would have been fun. Yeah. I think, uh, well, the, the first match on the card had the wrong winners. I mean, you talked about not having as much Katniss Jack. Yep. Yep. Why, yep. why do you have Van Hammer and Dan Spivey going over Katniss Jack and John? Cause he's, he's heavy metal Van Hammer. He's coming out there with the Sammy Hagar look and he's coming out there with Dan Spivey. And we don't need that note. Try to be bad, 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 bad. And that cat disc Jack from old extremely crappy wrestling. We got heavy metal Van yeah. Hammer. I think if you had teamed up Cactus Jack with Jushin Thunder Liger and let them go over Dan Spivey and, 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 and Van Hammer, I would have been okay with that instead of like having Johnny be bad in a win. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I don't, I, Johnny be bad would become a big star in WCW. And by big star, I mean a television champion. Uh, he would obviously go on to win the Intercontinental title in WWE. Uh, but yeah, but his claim to fame in WWF was getting. Fucking power bomb, bomb by, by his ex wife. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Poor, poor bastard. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Starcade '92, and that was the last. That was the last wrestling exclusive uh, podcast. Hold on, PJ. I'm seeing some uh, some breaking news come across my ticker. Let me let me pull this up. I want to read this while we're on the air, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news here on the show. Uh, it's a press release for tap outs and touchdowns. Oh, brother. I'll just, what are we read, doing? I'll just read it verbatim. It says, uh, though we have enjoyed his time on tap outs and touchdowns, moving forward, PJ Steven will no longer be the wrestling correspondent for tap outs and touchdowns. Effective in the 2022 season, PJ Steven has been permanently promoted to wrestling show co-host for tap outs and touchdowns. Oh, look at that. Congratulations. Congratulations, PJ Steven. You are official co-host for the wrestling shows of tap outs and touchdowns. Hey, well, I appreciate that, man. I've had a lot of fun doing this, man. So like, that means a lot. I actually thought for a second, man, I was like, oh shit, this is the last one. I don't know if you were going to, I thought you were just going to block me and lose my number. 
No, I, I told you off the air that I had a surprise for you. I wanted to get your genuine reaction. No, that uh, was it, man. That was cool, dude. Like, I, so. I appreciate that a lot. I, I, I tell you, man, like, I have so much fun doing these, researching things, like writing my notes, going back and rewatching stuff, uh, getting to talk with somebody about it. You know, I can only talk to my wife about bullshit she doesn't care about uh, so much. So um, this is just fantastic. I love doing it, and I look forward to doing it a whole another year with you. Um, as I understand it, uh, <clears throat> you have a lot of things on the schedule, a lot of things in the books that you want to get done with the podcast that we want to bring to our viewers. And man, I am so fucking down for that, man. Like, let's bring them the best content that they can hear no other place than tap outs and touchdowns. Yeah, we are going to come to 2022 as your uh, wrestling podcast tag team champions are PJ Steven and your guy, Bully Rye. Uh, some, some, a little bit of, of, of a tweak in some of what we got coming next year. Uh, but we're going to work on that behind the scenes and we're going to be back with some wrestling episodes a little after the first of the year. And we still have a recap show that's coming next week. Uh, so, so a lot more coming from the two of us, PJ, before we go, do you have anything that you would like to plug with your band guardians warlock here in the near future? So nothing really crazy. Uh, like I said, we're still, um, man, I can't wait for us to really <clears throat> have some recording of the new stuff that we're doing because we're really proud of it. It's a lot faster. It's harder. It's just, it, it just hits you. It just hits you just a little bit harder. I'm like really excited about it. Um, uh, other than that, we're just kind of booking for next year, man. We're going to, like I said, the last show, we're going to be hitting Virginia, North Carolina, maybe a, hopefully a couple spots in Florida. Um, we're trying to get out of uh, Charleston a little bit more and play in other spots, man, and, and just spread our religion of the warlock. Um, and we can't wait for it, man. So next year's, you know, a lot of people can say like, next year is going to be my year. Um, but I think next year is going to be a lot of people's years because next year we can start to really, truly heal, hopefully, after a shitty pandemic and really come back together. And not only, not only enjoy great wrestling live and great music live, but enjoy each other's time just a little bit more. And I think that's what 2022 is going to give us. Fast forward six months later. The world's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steven's an idiot. PJ's stupid. He said we'd have fun. Oh, that's so but funny. But hopefully that won't hopefully that won't happen. And well, we can continue to bring you guys fantastic content, just like today for Star K92 Battle Ball. This was fun. This was super fun. Um, we got so much cool shit coming to you guys next year. Uh guys, keep us busy. Throw us shit to watch while we because we're taking a little time off from this to give you guys a break and to give us time to reinvent the show a little bit and make fresher content for you. So keep us busy. Throw us shows to watch. Throw us episodes. Throw us um, uh, uh, specific workers and wrestlers that you'd like us to do shows on. We talked about that before about you know a specific wrestler and a year that you would like us to cover. Um, you know, throw us that kind of stuff because we would love to do it and we love making you guys happy and we love, love, love your suggestions. I don't think someone, I mean, like anyone that's given a suggestion, we haven't not done it, right? We'll do we, anything. We have done every show that has been requested of us. Uh, we have, we, we were still, we're shy on one that we'll get to next year. Um, and we've got a, uh, a, a wrestler bio coming next year. That's a new 
a new addition to the show in season four of Tap House and Touchdowns that we have coming up. Uh, but yeah, no, a lot of really fun stuff as PJ Steven alluded to. Uh, so again, make sure the, you're the following- only thing that we won't do, you know, there's some guy on Twitter that keeps asking us to review uh, the X Pac and China sex tape one night in China. Listen, we're not going to do it. Yeah, we're not going to do it. Listen, I've not- watched it. I've watched it way too many times. I don't. I mean, uh, I've never seen it, and I don't plan on it. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you requesting us to live live give you feedback porn, be it X Pac in China or uh page and um brian maddox that's not gonna happen this isn't your well type i didn't of show. i didn't say i didn't say anything about the brian maddox and page i'll no, do I, that no. i just won't do the china one no that's that's no this this is a family this is a fucking family show pj okay well can, can, we, at least, can, we, can we can we at least put it on our tap outs and touchdown only fans Oh my God! Imagine a tap out and touchdowns OnlyFans page. That's hilarious. I've imagined it and I pitched it a thousand times. Well, we'll see what happens in 2022. As <laughs> as 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 the wrestlers would say, it never say never. Uh, never but, say never, partner. But again, uh, make sure you follow Guardians Warlock on their social media. Uh, PJ Steven, thanks again for for being with me for our last review show of 2021. Uh, for the listeners, stay tuned. We've got one more uh, football-only show coming this Thursday. And then the season three finale of Tap House and Touchdowns, we're already here, will air next week, uh, followed by a short leave when we'll come back season four. Uh, but I digress. Two more episodes of the show coming for you in 2021. So for PJ, Steven, it's your guy, Bully Rye for Tap House and Touchdowns, and I'll be around.